Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Hello, beloved family. How are you? Um, I just want to thank you for the last two days. You've really, really, really come through for the Station of the Cross in their two-day fundraising uh, campaign. And uh, we're such a family. It's so terrific. God works through each of us and all of you, dear listeners. So I I bless God for you and uh, thank you so much. We, uh, the latest news, um, unless there's something else in the last couple hours I'm not aware of, is that the Holy Father has said that transgender people can be baptized and serve as godparents. Um, Every day is another deeper um, worry about where the Holy Father would wish to take the church and to what extent he would wish to destroy the church and the sheep within the church. Um, Again, he was ordained and and vowed as Pope to guard the deposit of faith, and he is uh, discarding it. He's doing everything to change it and to ruin what God has given. Of course, he cannot do that. Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We know that. But um, the challenges are new every single day, but so are God's mercies new every single day. Um, There's an article by a man that I tremendously admire, Anthony Esolen, E-S-O-L-E-N, and he's written an article Um, titled Male and Female, he made them, and we know that from Genesis chapter 1. And he says that it's no surprise that the call to ordain or to pretend to ordain women as priests comes mainly from people who wish to marry or to pretend to marry, because two people of the same sex marry is not a marriage. You can ordain a woman as a priest, but she remains a layperson and not a priest. Um, you need matter, form and matter, uh, for such change to take place. And the matter um, has to be a man, not a woman. Um, and so let me just read this, this article before us, because it perhaps would be helpful. Um, he says, we see that at the Synod, <clears throat> the topic of women's ordination has come up as if the rest of the Christian world that has gone along with this innovation um, and, in the, and in the teeth of clear New Testament instruction has not been pitching itself into deeper and more accelerated decline. And as if the contemporary church has had anything even worldly to boast of to attempt to justify her presumption that she knows better than the apostles Paul and Peter did not to mention the fathers, the schoolmen, the saints, and the countless faithful men and women before our time. Anthony Solon says, I have long noticed 
He's an author, he's a professor, he's an artist, he's just a magnificent Catholic husband, father, and human being. He says, I have long noticed that any social situation raised slightly beyond the level of an artificial routine, if you switch the sexes, imagining every male to be female and every female to be male, and having them say and do exactly the same things in exactly the same way, you could not get three seconds into the experiment without laughter at the absurdity of it. When Rob Petrie tries to model a mink coat he wants to buy for his wife, Laura, and he puts it on and looks at himself in the mirror, unconsciously making a couple of motions that women commonly make, we laugh out loud because it doesn't work. You might as well portray a dog tiptoeing gingerly atop a railing or a cat with his tongue hanging out waiting for you to throw a stick so he can fetch it. In my lifetime, says Mr. Azolin, almost all, probably Dr. Azolin, almost all of the controversy regarding the relations of men and women to one another can be summed up in a sentence or two. It is held that there are not supposed to be any special relations between men and women, that men and women are interchangeable, that each sex owes no particular duty to the other, and that their spheres of characteristic action in the home, at work, in the neighborhood, in the larger society, and in the church are exactly the same. Anything else is held to be but the residue of old and unjust ways, the mulish bigotry of the past. You know, I'm reading this astounded because all of this has happened within my lifetime. Anyone who says, and of course it's been for centuries, but what's happened now, uh, the the suggestion of uh, blessing homosexual unions, there's no such thing. There's no such thing. Anyone... Anthony Holland says, anyone who says that there are distinctions <clears throat> between the sexes that are profound and important and that each sex is made for the other in a relationship characterized by interdependence, hierarchy, and equality all at once is to be scorned or ignored or accused of being hateful if male or stupid if female. And of course, this insistence not so much on equality as on indistinguishability, not so much on each sex's assuming its rightful place, as on neither sex's having any rightful place at all, not so much on the beauty and wonder of male and female, but on their meaninglessness, as played the devil with the church too. It is no surprise that the call to ordain or pretend to ordain Women as priests comes mainly from people who wish to marry or pretend to marry a man with a man or a woman with a woman, or from people who seem to believe that a man can become a woman by asserting it, perhaps assisted by a mink coat and a full-length mirror. Yet even now, Anthony Olin says, I notice that nature reasserts herself when people are distracted by emergency. For example, in the accusations hurled back and forth between the supporters of Israel in the current war and the supporters of the Palestinians, regardless of the sexual politics of the accusers, 
the targeting of women and children is marked as peculiarly abhorrent and criminal. Imagine the officers on the Titanic keeping women and children at bay at gunpoint, crying out, men first. And imagine a woman gently pushing her husband away from her as her husband weeps freely. And she says, dear, you must go now. Get into the boat. It's my duty to stay. No, we acknowledge that women and children are to be protected because they are physically vulnerable and because they are the hope of the rising generation. Nature herself gives us a clue to this real duty in the high pitch of the women's voice, her smooth chin, and by comparison with a healthy grown man, the childlike softness of her musculature. Protected, not despised, for in the order of ends, that association with children is more centrally important than is the man's building of roads or digging of mines. And we have Jesus to remind us that unless we become as little children, we shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. So let me try the experiment with that passage from Ephesians, Anthony Azolan says. That passage from Ephesians that was of no controversy at all for nearly 2,000 years. No more than if Paul had recommended that Christians should eat good food and drink clean water. Let me read it. It's right straight from Ephesians chapter 5. And it says, Husbands, submit yourselves unto your own wives as un- Oh, this is terrible. <laughs> it's, um, it's the reverse of what God has given. Husbands, submit yourself unto your own wives as unto the lady. For the wife is the head of the husband, even as Christa is the head of the church, and she is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christa, so let the husbands be to their own wives in everything. Wives, love your husbands, even as Christa also loved the church and gave herself for him, that she might sanctify and cleanse him with the washing of water by the word, that she might present him to herself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should be holy and without blemish. So ought women to love their husbands as their own bodies. She who love her husband loves her husband, loves herself. This is completely the reverse of God's design. I hope you recognize that. Continuing this uh, ridiculous quote, For no woman ever yet hated her own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, even as the lady cherishes the church. For we are members of her body, of her flesh, and of her bones. For this cause shall a woman leave her mother and father, and shall be joined unto her husband, and the two shall be one flesh. Flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christa and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love her husband, even as herself, and the husband see that he reverences his wife. Anthony is and says, does that work? Of course not. Of course not. Are we members of Christa's body? Of course not. There's the music for our first break. It made me sick reading that mockery. It just made me sick. Um, We'll be right back after the break, beloved, and we'll take your calls and your emails following the second break. We'll be right back.
In the New Testament's first letter of St. John, chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, we read, And we have this confidence in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in regard to whatever we ask, we know that what we have asked Him for is ours. It's incredible to realize how much God loves us, what He has promised us, and what He'll give us through our trust in Him. Have you prayed for the Station of the Cross today? We would be grateful if you would remember us each day in your prayers, whether it's the Most Holy Rosary of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, the Liturgy of the Hours, the Most Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, or any other prayers you pray throughout the day. Please also pray for the intentions of your fellow Catholic radio listeners. It's so important for us to remember to keep one another in prayer. beloved this is mother miriam host of mother miriam live like the catholic current and the many other programs that originate from the station of the cross divine mercy in my soul is all about the messages that jesus revealed to saint faustina it is aired every sunday morning at 11 eastern and tuesday nights at 8 p.m or you can listen anytime to divine mercy in my soul on the iCatholic radio mobile app It is a scientific fact that life begins at fertilization. Every human being is a human person. It already says in the 14th Amendment of our U.S. Constitution that all persons are to have equal protection under the laws. Yet we have an ongoing mass murder of our little pre-born brothers and sisters under the big lie of abortion. The Supreme Court must explicitly affirm federal protection for our last excluded class and end this constitutional crisis. Use your voice and sign the petition now at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm live. We're here. I'm thrilled. And I, I just um, uh, want to hug all of you for uh, helping the Station of the Cross make her um, two-day fundraising goal uh, for this fall. It, 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 it's always crucial. Um, it's always needed. Uh, I've never heard of a fundraiser that, whose goal is $72,000. They're a quarter of a million, 100,000, 500,000, 2 million. But 72 is exactly what the Station of the Cross needed. And you can trust them with every penny you ever give to the Station of the Cross. So we are on male and female. He made them. And I wanted to read this on the heels of our Holy Father proclaiming that transgender people um, can be baptized, can become grandparents, uh, can adopt children, homosexuals can adopt children, all of that. It's, it's heresy, it's an abomination, um, and it, it's, it's completely sinful. The Holy Father is not helping anyone to heaven by such proclamations. We're reading an article from um, Dr. Anthony Asolin, who was talking about the fact that God made man male and female. That's what Genesis says, God created man and made them male and female, mankind and from man, he formed woman. 
They are male and female, and that's it. We can't recreate what the Creator has made. We can destroy it. We can distort it. We could um, live our own lives of deep sin and unhappiness, but um, you cannot change God's design. And so what uh, Dr. Zolan just did was read Ephesians 5, which says, Wives, submit yourself to your husbands. Husbands, lay down your lives for your wives, as Christ did the church. He completely reversed that to say, Husbands, submit yourself to your wives. Lay down your life for your husband, as Christa, as Christ, Christa did for the church. It, it made me ill just even reading that mockery. And Anthony Solon says, does that work? And the answers are, of course it doesn't work. He says, are we members of Christa's body? Do we hear the word of the lady? Is a woman to lay down her life for her husband? When danger draws near, is it the woman who says to her husband, stay here with the children till I come back? He and she both fearing that she may not come back at all. Do women actually desire men who submit to them? who give them the leadership of the family, who expect them to be the main providers to the exhaustion and endangerment of their bodies? Do women want men to behave like the women Paul has in mind? Oh, beloved, this is so awful, and I can tell you the answer is no to all of this. When men are weak, when they don't take the proper headship and leadership of the home, the women don't respect them. And the women take the natural result of the fall and they control, which is part of the fall. It's sin. Um, it's the opposite of God's design. Anthony Azolan says, Or do women want to do for men what Paul demands of the men here? Why, if it were true, we should be in the midst of the happiest of times for grown males and females. I will not say men and women. The world has ever known. Marriages are plenty, and divorces nearly unheard of. Child-rich families, where you turn, music happier than ever, and the only grouches would be among those who stick to the old ways? Of course it is not so. Yet there is a greater principle at play here than the neuralgic focus of our time may give us to suspect, and Anthony Azolan says it is this, the word of God is always beyond our comprehension, and sometimes even beyond our apprehension. We never know all that it means, and sometimes we hardly know what it means at all, or that it means anything at all. It must be so. God is our creator. We cannot have it out with him in mere rational debate, as Job seems to want to have done. We must then wait upon him, we do not see so that we might obey. Let me re uh, say that sentence. We do not see so that we might obey. We obey that we might see. Increase of vision and understanding is dependent upon obedience. It is not I who say so. The Lord says it. If we love him, we will keep his commandments. And then he will dwell within us and make himself manifest to us. John chapter 14. Many of those commandments will be hard for us to understand. How could you say to the pagan Germans that they were forbidden to engage in personal vendettas and blood feuds? It certainly took them a while to learn that lesson. But if they obeyed the commandment, 
they would learn and they would see. It is so with all of what God commands. Only those things that are best for us anyway, and with all that he forbids, only those things that harm us. You see, I'm going to reread that sentence. It is so with all of what God commands, he commands only those things that are best for us, and he forbids only those things that harm us. Now, we're children. If a parent says to a a three-year-old or even a 10-year-old, you can't do that, it's harmful. The 10-year-old doesn't understand and wants to do it, or the three-year-old screams to do it. But the parent is going to permit what's good for the child and safe and um, command otherwise for what is not good, whether or not the child sees it or understands. The child's position is to obey. Now then is our chance to learn, as any pagan tribe had to learn, by waiting upon God, obeying him, and saying, teach us again that we have forgotten, or teach us what we have never understood or even conceived. For our world has nothing to teach God, and in the specific matter matter of the sexes, we have quite a few good and beautiful things to recover. Every time I see, beloved, that's the end of the article, and every time I see um, a so-called homosexual couple or lesbian couple, my heart breaks. My heart breaks um, because I know, regardless of their uh, rebellion and, and argument against what I would say, I know internally they're not happy. They may do everything to make themselves happy. Every manner of passion, every manner of giving in to what their fleshly desires are, no matter what. That may um, spell their happiness momentarily. They may think they love one another, but they don't. Love wants what is best for the beloved. And what is best for the beloved is that he or she come to heaven. And if you are in a homosexual, lesbian relationship, you are not only on your way to hell, but you are bringing the person you claim to love to hell. And you say, Mother, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? I don't think that I am. I know that I am a child of God who loves him, who trusts his word, who has been filled with his grace, who has had the, who, I deserve hell. Everybody does. We all deserve hell. We are born into original sin, which means we are born separated from God. And if we leave the world that way, we will be separated him, from him for all eternity. The wages of sin is death. A wage is what we earn. A wage is what's coming to us. We work for it. We've struggled for it. We've saved for it. We've done everything for it. It's coming to us. If God were fair, he would give us what we've worked for and we'd be dead. But God is not fair. He saves us from what we have earned, which is death. And he gives us what we have not earned, which is life. All of life in his son, apart from whom there is no salvation whatsoever. Beloved, um, whether you call yourself a Catholic or not, Um, Paul wrote to the Romans, it is the obedience of faith, chapter 2, the obedience of faith that saves us. 
if we say we believe and we do anything opposite to the word of God, not only do we not believe, but we bought into Satan's lie, the lie of the devil, that we can do what we want, what feels good, what our conscience tells us, even if it's against God's word. He's the creator. God is the one who created heaven and hell. He created not for us, but for the devil and his angels, his demons. But we can choose to go there. We choose to go there. Does God send us there? No. We send ourselves there by turning from the way of salvation. There's two roads, Jesus said, the narrow road and the wide road, and they both have a sign, this way to heaven. And on Matthew chapter 7, they come to Jesus and they say, Lord, Lord, uh, let us in. We've done this, we've done that. And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. What do you mean? Lord, what do you mean? What do you mean? We, we knew you. We, we, what do you mean you don't know us? We, we went to church. We, we did good things. We did all kinds of things. Um, what do you mean? And he doesn't answer. He said, depart from me. I never knew you. You see, someone once gave me a plaque that there's only one life and it will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. You could be a better person than a Catholic is. You don't get into heaven by being good because there is none good but God. There is no good work or a billion good works that will get us to heaven because we are fallen from God. We are fallen from grace. We are sinners. And if we reject the Savior, uh, if you're, you're, in an, you're in an ocean and you, the tide is getting you and you can't get out of it, you thought you'd be okay, but you're not, and you can't handle it, and someone throws you a giant lifesaver and it lands right uh, before you, and you don't take it, and you drown, why did you drown? Because you can't swim? No. Because the tide was too heavy? No. But because you rejected the lifesaver. Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the lifesaver. And he established his church, the one holy Catholic, an apostolic church, apart from which no man or woman, no human being could be saved. It is the ark of salvation. It is the ark of salvation. And you need to come to Christ through his church. And if you don't fully understand, call the Station of the Cross. Uh, email me. Um, go to catholic.com. Um, call EWTN. Uh, go to a good and holy priest. Don't stay ignorant. Uh, there's, there are no ignorant people in heaven. Uh, ignorant doesn't mean stupid. It means lack of knowledge. And God said through the prophet Hosea, my people perish for lack of knowledge. There's no reason for you not to have the path of salvation and to be saved this very day. Don't go to sleep without seeing a priest or a good Catholic friend and let them bring you home to the church for which our Lord gave his life. We'll be right back after the break, beloved, to take your calls, your questions. Toll free, the number is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. 
is Franciscan Media Saint of the Day for November 10th. Today we celebrate Pope St. Leo the Great. Elected in 440, Pope Leo distinguished himself throughout his 21-year pontificate as one of the best administrators of the ancient church. He was likewise known for his pastoral skills and spiritually profound sermons. As Holy Father, Leo worked hard to control the heresies prominent in his day and to call the followers of those heresies back to true Christian beliefs. A second major area of concern for him was the controversy within parts of the church over the nature of Christ. Leo also led the defense of Rome against barbarian attack, taking the role of peacemaker. On one occasion, he persuaded Attila the Hun to halt his path toward Rome, which he was planning to plunder. But Leo's path to sainthood has its basis in the spiritual depth with which he approached the pastoral care of his people. Well-versed in scripture and ecclesiastical awareness, he had the ability to reach their everyday needs and interests. Pope St. Leo was indeed a great pope, a man who was boundless in his energy, large of heart, and clear in his sense of duty as St. Peter's successor. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. What you're offering and giving to me, you deserve to get back because you're offering more than I can give. I learned so much through the station on the cross. I listen to the radio station daily and I absolutely love it. I was attending the chapel and places like that, and through your programs, I was able to find out how other Protestants had come back into the Catholic Church. God bless the Station of the Cross. Donate today at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together. I love this time. You're welcome to call in with anything whatsoever on your hearts. Uh, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at We have Diane from Rochester on the line. Hi, Diane. Hello, Mother. Thank you so much for taking my call. I'm glad you called. I wanted to say a couple of things. First and foremost, congratulations to the Station of the Cross, everybody who donated, and to you. Um, What a wonderful station. That's where I listen, and it is truly a gift. Bless you, Diana. Thanks so much. Thank you. You're very welcome. I wanted to um, call you and tell you my husband and I spent a week um, this past week in Oklahoma visiting our son and daughter-in-law for our grandson's 13th birthday. And I had the opportunity, we did, I should say, to visit this most glorious shrine. I had heard about it. I had no idea the extent and how beautiful it is for um, the Blessed Stanley Rother. Oh, yes. Uh The martyred Guatemalan priest. He wasn't Guatemalan. He was from Oklahoma. 
That's right. And he was a missionary priest, and he was martyred, I believe, in 1984. Mm -hmm. And they they have built this most glorious shrine. He is buried there. We had uh, the privilege of praying at the foot of his tomb and seeing the most beautiful grounds, statue of Our Lady of Guadalupe, the most glorious thing I've ever seen. Oh, how and beautiful. And we were taking a little mini tour, our own, because we had no idea who to talk to or all that. We were sort of self-guiding, and this wonderful young woman asked if we needed help, and we, of course, took her up on all the information that she had, and she mentioned that she homeschooled all six of her children, and I said, yes, I said off the cuff, Mother Miriam would love you. Oh, wow. (laughs) She said, I met her at a conference. Uh, her name is her name is Joelle, and she apparently has a T-shirt that you signed for her a bit reluctantly. I'm not quite sure what the circumstances were, but I think this was a while back. She made reference to the fact that you had not yet taken the religious name of Mother Miriam. Yeah, it's been a while. I do. I mean, that's unusual for me to sign a T-shirt. And I, I, I can't see her face, but I remember someone asking me to sign a T-shirt a long time ago. And I hesitated. Who wants to write on a piece of clothing? But, um, but yes, I, that's, that vaguely comes to mind. It was just a glorious experience. And I encourage <laughs> anybody who's in the area of, of Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. yes, to visit that shrine. Mm-hmm. It was it was a beautiful, beautiful spiritual experience that didn't end there, Mother, because we left the following morning to come home, and we had, um, our airline had changed our flights, and we ended up with a five-hour layover in Charlotte. And we thought, oh, boy, this is going to be interesting. What do you do for five hours in the airport? And we discovered um, the chapel in the Charlotte, North Carolina airport. So we decided to go to the chapel and say some prayers. A lovely little non-denominational chapel, but the, the shock of all shocks was the large sign as we entered saying every Sunday there are two Catholic masses mm. in that tiny little chapel and i thought what what a blessing Mm -hmm. what an absolute blessing that this is happening in a a a huge public place that they're doing that and we ran into one of the catholic chaplains he said there were 10 of them wow and i think um several dozen of the other chaplains of other denominations but Ten Catholic chaplains at an airport. Who knew? Fantastic. Continued. It was a marvelous experience. Yeah, I'm so glad, Diane. Thanks for your call, sweetheart. We're going to get to some of our emails, but I'm so glad you called in. And everybody, you're listening to a wonderful, faithful, happy Catholic who knows God, who knows her faith, and everything is a joy. It's so good. 
It's so good. You know, someone could have had the same day you had and thought nothing of it. But you, you know the joy, the beauty, the blessings from God because you walk with him, Diane. It's wonderful to hear. And Mother, thank you for reminding everyone about that, too. Good. The blessings Good. are everywhere. That's right. They're everywhere. everywhere. We miss them, but they're everywhere, always. Bless you, Diane. Thanks so much, honey. We have a, a comment from Yvonne from Facebook, and she said, Why did Jesus descend into hell? Um, that's a good question, and the catechism answers that. I did bring it up where I wanted to read you directly from the catechism. Oh, dear, what did I, where did I put that? Here it is. Here it is. So you, you have the exact statement. Um, from the catechism of the Catholic, the current catechism, Article 5, Christ ascended into hell on the third day he rose again from the dead, part of the Apostles' Creed, And it says in 631, Jesus descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is he who also ascended far above all the heavens. The Apostles' Creed confesses in the same article, Christ's descent into hell and his resurrection from the dead on the third day, because in his Passover, it was precisely out of the depths of death that he made life spring forth. Um, I don't want to read the whole thing here. Um, The frequent New Testament affirmations that Jesus was raised from the dead presuppose that the crucified one sojourned in the realm of the dead prior to his resurrection. This was the first meaning given in the apostolic preaching to Christ's descent into hell, that Jesus, like all men, experienced death and in his soul joined the others in the realm of the dead, now, the realm of the dead is not specifically hell as we think of it. Um, it's the realm of the waiting dead as well. Uh, the dead who would be resurrected once heaven was open. But he descended there as Savior, proclaiming the good news to the spirits in prison there. Peter speaks about that. Um, you'll see many pictures, um, uh, illustrations, artworks on our Lord's descent into hell at Easter time, because he descended into hell and he brought Adam and Eve out and uh, many, many of the waiting dead uh, in, in a place of he- Sheol. It's not everlasting death. Um, scripture calls the abode of the dead to which the dead Christ went down hell, or in Hebrew, Sheol, or Hades in Greek, because those who are there are deprived of the vision of God. Such is the case for all the dead, whether evil or or righteous. So keep in mind that there are evil in in uh, hell or Sheol or Hades uh, who will be there forever, and there are the righteous who were there for a time until heaven was open, while they await the Redeemer. Which does not mean that their lot is identical, as Jesus shows through the parable of the poor man Lazarus, who was received into Abraham's bosom. It is precisely these holy souls who awaited their Savior in Abraham's bosom, all those who died prior to Christ's resurrection, whom Christ the Lord delivered when he descended into hell. Jesus did not descend into hell to deliver the damned, nor to destroy the hell of damnation, but to free the just who had gone before him. Catechism 631. 
to 33. I hope that happens. That helps a lot. When we talk about people going to hell at this point, because heaven's open, we talk about their utter rejection of God and their choice to be without him for all eternity. But our Lord's descent into hell was the descent into the place of the waiting dead, both um, uh, evil and righteous, and um, announced to the righteous that the victory had been won. We have an email from Joyce who says, I have MS, that's multiple sclerosis, and live in a retirement home. How can I find Catholic friends there? Oh, Joyce, do I have an answer for you? (laughs) To begin with, I want you to know I'm celiac, and what keeps me alive is staying away from gluten. I was very serious. I had the fatal kind of celiac. I was almost dead twice. MS responds also, I hope you know it, to a gluten-free diet. So to begin with, Uh, even though you live in a retirement home, just stay away from all gluten, all bread, grains, cereal, pasta, cookies, cakes, everything. Stay away from it unless it's specifically gluten-free. It will help you enormously. Now, how can you find Catholic friends there is by making friends. That's the way we find friends, is by making friends. We begin, well, I don't know if the retirement home has a mass. Hopefully it does. Hopefully it has a mass. And hopefully you have a priest coming to bring you the Blessed Sacrament. And if he comes to bring you the Blessed Sacrament, you can ask him who other Catholics are. And if he has a Mass, and if he can gather Catholics, um, even if it was only once a month, so they know who they are and they can form friendships in the home, I would do that. But also don't be afraid to reach out to every single person you meet. Hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm Joyce. What's your name? How are you doing? Um, you know, how long are you here? Or, or um, is there anything I can help you with? Do you have children? Just become friends and eventually they'll know you're Catholic and you can ask them what their faith is and you can begin to help people into the church and to find those who are Catholic. Um, we have an email from Kate who says, Hello, Mother Miriam. My family is so grateful for all you do to encourage families to be great Catholics. I'm so glad for that, Kate. I'm writing for some help. My daughter is a young adult being courted by a Catholic man. God bless you. To even use the word courted is wonderful. We had in our Latin parish uh, last week a, uh, a betrothal of a couple who planned to get married in a year. A, a true uh, ceremony for betrothal. Kate says that her daughter understands that natural family planning is only for grave use. Good. But the young man thinks it is okay to use. doesn't matter what he thinks. It matters what the Catholic Church says. Um, and he cannot go against her. We are looking for some good articles or videos that she can share with him to help him understand the truth. He is very open to listening. And she needs some good sources to share with him. Thank you in advance for all your insight. May Our Lady continue to protect you under her motherly mantle, Kate. Kate, I've never seen a video on NFP. And my, my outside guess is if there is a video on NFP, it's NFP instruction, not telling people to stay away from it. It's, it's, it's used widely as Catholic contraception. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. It shouldn't be called natural family planning. It's natural family procreation. 
families should not plan. They should be open to life. If they're not open to life upon their marriage, then they're not legitimately married. Um, so I would say, and I, I can't leave um, the program at the moment to look at my bookcase, but I'll look during the I'll look during the break to see if I could find something. We're not totally organized here in our books, but um, you could go go to Catholic Action or no Tradition in Action, Tradition in Action, and look at their books. Then go to um, Angelus Press and look at their selection of books on what is pro-life. I'm, I'm pointing out those two sources because you will get good, solid, Catholic, uncompromising teaching. Many of the other Catholic sources, though very good in many ways, um, have nothing against using NFP uh, for family planning. And it, your daughter's right, it should be used only for extraordinary circumstances, health, grave financial situations, other uh, Act of consecration to St. Michael the Archangel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. A most noble prince of the angelic hierarchies, valorous warrior of Almighty God, and zealous lover of His glory, terror of the rebellious angels, and love and delight of all the just ones, my beloved Archangel St. Michael, desiring to be numbered among thy devoted servants, I today offer and consecrate myself to thee and place myself, my family, and all I possess under thy most powerful protection. I entreat thee not to look at how little I, as thy servant, have to offer, being only a wretched sinner, but to gaze, rather, with favorable eye at the heartfelt affection with which this offering is made. And remember that if from this day onward I am under thy patronage. Thou must, during all my life, assist me and procure for me the pardon of my many grievous offenses and sins. The grace to love with all my heart my God, my dear Savior Jesus, and my sweet mother Mary, and obtain for me all the help necessary to arrive to my crown of glory. Defend me always from my spiritual enemies, particularly in the last moments of my life. Come then, O glorious Prince, and succor me in my last struggle, and with thy powerful weapon, cast far from me into the infernal abysses that prevaricator and proud angel that one day thou prostrated in thy celestial battle. St. Michael, defend us in our daily battle, so that we may not perish in the last judgment. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, and um, we, uh, this is our last segment. We have about 10 minutes. Our lines are yet open. Uh, you're welcome to call in at one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. We have an email from Kate that we read 
uh, before the break. Um, um, she's looking for help for her daughter as a young adult being courted by a Catholic man. who And the daughter understands NFP is only for grave use, but the young man thinks it's okay to use. And Kate's asking for good articles or videos that she could share with her daughter. I don't know offhand. Um, if you simply, I just took a look. Oh, what just happened here? Uh, I looked up traditional teaching on NFP, and the first article came up. The Catholic Church has come to teach that the use of natural family planning, NFP, by married couples to avoid procreation is okay. Is it's acceptable for just causes, and again, they have to be very severe. Um, and generally, uh, I'd have to do some uh, work to bring you all the information myself. Uh, we've talked about it before, but I don't have it in my head. So you can look that up. And I suggest you go to, again, um, Tradition in Action. I'm going to very traditional Catholic sites. Angelus Press, A-N-G-E-L-U-S, Angelus Press. Um, Mother of Our Savior, Catholic Books. Uh, very traditional Catholic teaching. Um, and you will get what the Catholic Church teaches. Even the Council of Trent, uh, the Catechism Explained, not a current Catechism, but the Catechism Explained. And so um, it must not be used as Catholic contraception. And um, I would tell your daughter to go get good resources on that, such as I've mentioned, and read up about it and show it to her, um, the man she's courting. If he does not agree prior to their wedding, even to their engagement, warn her not to get engaged, not even to get engaged and work it out during the engagement. The engagement should be like a betrothal. It should be, you should take a long time before you get engaged um, and be as sure as you can, and then the marriage should not take forever. You know, then it could be quick if you wish. But um, don't work this out during an engagement period. It must be worked out even before you say yes. And you say, well, is it that serious? I think it's, it's a matter of making or breaking your marriage. Of course. Of course it's that serious. Um, the man you marry must love the church and trust its teachings and trust the issue of life. Um, and not go along with any modern concept uh, that's going to allow him to, um, uh, his passions to run free whenever he wishes. So um, that's what I would say. Okay. Um, we have um, an email from Andrew uh, who writes, Hi, Mother. Um, wait a minute. Let, this is uh, going to be a little... T- too, too much for the end of our program, Andrew. I'm going to take this first thing tomorrow. Um, in the interim, we have an email from Dan. Hello, Mother. He, Dan says, for someone looking to move to Texas, what's a good area in terms of safety, job availability, and affordability? Well, I don't know, Dan. I'm in the Diocese of Tyler, Texas, and over 400 families have moved here because of our good, heroic, holy bishop. That's my only criteria, is a bishop. Um, I don't think Tyler has a lot of crime. 
Um, as far as I know, the jobs are fine and affordability. Uh, I haven't compared it with other things, but I would think it's fine. It's not uh, as expensive city like Houston or Dallas or other things. It's Northeast Texas. And I think it's probably fairly average. Um, but I would suggest anyone looking to move to Texas, if you're Catholic, to move to the Diocese of Tyler. We don't know what's going to happen in the future with Bishop Strickland. The Vatican is coming against him because he is not a vanilla Catholic. He speaks the truth, and they are doing everything against the truth these days. So that's a concern. But outside of that, I don't know the demographics. I would just say no matter what they are, come to Tyler. Um, Elizabeth writes, Dear Mother Miriam, since you grew up Jewish, I'm hoping you can answer this question. I'm going to share some comments I found on a YouTube video. This person claims, under Jewish law, that abortion is okay. I'm going to tell you right away, this person doesn't know Jewish law. Abortion is not okay. I'm not speaking as a Catholic. I'm speaking as a Jew. Abortion is not okay. You could see, read the Old Testament, and you could see that God put people to death for killing the child in the womb. The person who was responsible for that was put to death by God. It is not okay. And I would say, if a person is looking under Jewish law, it might be modern Jewish law, which has nothing to do with what God has founded. Um, And this person claims under Jewish law that abortion is okay and that life doesn't begin until birth. Well, you give birth to a baby. You give birth to a baby. You give birth to a human being. As Mother Teresa said, if it's not a child, you're not pregnant. Also, that, so before the, it, the child comes out of the womb, it's not, a, it's not alive, it's not a baby, and out of the womb, voila, you have a human being, that's insane. Also, that the baby is considered part of the woman's, woman's body. Again, this seems very odd unless this is what it says in the Talmud. This is totally wrong. Completely, completely wrong. The, the baby has grown out of the woman's body. There's no question about that. But, it's an, but it has a separate soul. This is the point. God puts into that child a soul. And that child, from the moment of conception, is a li- living being separate from the mother, even if it can't not exist physically apart from the mother, and the mother's body feeds it, yet is a separate human being. And she says, I find this odd because I just remembered that Orthodox Jew conservative commentator Ben Shapiro is opposed to abortion. He certainly is because he's a good Jew and he knows what God says and he follows the law of God to the point that he's able. If he followed it all the way, he'd be a Catholic. Um, And um, then um, let me just see here. Uh, Elizabeth has a quote. And I'm going to read the quote, but you don't tell me where you quoted from. Quote, an unborn... It's the what? All right. Uh, Hold on now. Oh, these are the comments you found on a YouTube video. Very, very good. Okay. Uh, God bless you. James just helped me with that. An unborn fetus in Jewish law is not considered a person until it has been born. Well, that's heresy. The devil wants us to think that. 
The fetus is regarded as part of the mother's body and not a separate being until it begins to egress from the womb during childbirth. In fact, 40 days after conception, the fertilized egg is considered as mere fluid. These facts form the basis for the Jewish legal view of abortion. What are your thoughts? Number one, they're not facts. They're, they're not science. They're not true. Um, Non-Catholics, non-Christians have affirmed the fact that, conce- that birth, that the life begins at conception. That's not a religious theory, although it certainly is believed by religious people. That is science, and science has proved that. So whoever's talking on that YouTube, uh, that may be wishful thinking, but it's errant thinking, and it's absolutely wrong. Uh, life begins at the moment of conception um, in the mother's womb. And yes, it's dependent on the mother, but it is a separate human being at the moment of conception with a soul from God who has created a human being in his image. God bless you, everybody. We'll speak with you tomorrow, and Dan will take your email tomorrow.